a sick friend, tears, glory of God. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible, Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. We're so glad you've joined us again as we take another look at an event in the life of Jesus. David, I've so enjoyed learning new things about Jesus. We've seen Him in so many different situations at a wedding, like a festive occasion. We've seen him alone in prayer. We've seen him healing people. We see people worshiping him, all of these different things. But today's story is so poignant. We see Jesus at a funeral. Our story today takes place in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 46. So it's a long story, but actually it contains, well, the shortest verse in the Bible. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. The story begins in the town of Bethany. And Bethany is just about three kilometers or two miles from Jerusalem. It says that in verse 18, actually. So it's very close to Jerusalem. But Jesus is not there because in chapter 10, because of hostility in Judea. He leaves the area. He leaves Jerusalem, and he goes across the Jordan, and that's where he's at. But back in Bethany, things are not good. We we meet characters, well, actually not for the first time, Mary and Martha, the sisters, but also their brother Lazarus, and they all live in Bethany, but Lazarus is sick, very sick. It seems like he's dying. And Mary and Martha sinned for Jesus. And it says in verse 3 that, Lord, the one you love is sick. That's the message. And so we learn something about this family here, or Lazarus. Lazarus was not just a person that Jesus knows, but he loved Lazarus. Lazarus was his friend. And isn't that so good to know? I know when I'm teaching children, they love this point. Jesus had friends. That just makes Jesus that little bit easier to understand and to relate to. Here he had friends, and he had special feelings towards these friends. He loved them. He did, and he says things that we're not expecting. He says, this sickness will not end in death. It's for the glory of God. This has happened to bring glory to the Son of God. That's what is said about the man born blind in chapter 9, when the disciples questioned this man's blindness. Whose fault was it? Jesus says, it's nobody's fault. It's for the glory of God. And so it's this situation with Lazarus is for the glory of God. And you would think that Jesus would leave right then to go to be with his good friend, Lazarus. But it says, no, in verse 6 it says, When he heard this, he stayed where he was for two more days. And after two days, then he said to his disciples, hey, let's go back to Judea. They weren't very excited about that idea, were they? Because back in Jerusalem is where he people tried to stone him for what he was saying. So going back to this area is a dangerous thing, and yet Jesus wants to go. That's right. And they're thinking they're just going back into hostile territory, and that will not end well. 
they can't understand why Jesus wants to go back into, quote, enemy territory. Maybe he's breaking it to them gently when he's saying, well, Lazarus is sleeping and I want to wake him up. But... They hear him literally. <laughs> they do, and of course. And they're thinking, well, okay, if he's sleeping, that means he sounds better. He'll be fine. It's like, no, Lazarus is dead. He just says it straight up. And they go with him. They do. Thomas, in verse 16, said, let us go too that we will die with him. He and the disciples are resigned to dying with Jesus. That's what they think is going to happen. And the ironic thing here is that Jesus is going back to raise someone from the dead. They don't know that, but they're thinking that Jesus is going to die by going back. And of course, Jesus will die in his time. They go with him. And that's one of the things I think we should note for just a moment about the disciples. They don't understand fully what Jesus is doing. They think he's making a poor decision here by going back, but they follow. That instructs me that I don't have to understand everything that Jesus says at the beginning or what he's doing. I just need to stick with Jesus. And in the end, Jesus will make things clear. The story began in Bethany. They went and sent for Jesus, who was a few days' journey away, it sounds like. And then they all, Jesus and his disciples come back to Bethany. So here they are in Bethany. And what a sad scene they come to because everyone is in mourning because Lazarus has died. Jesus knew that even from afar, but Lazarus was sick and now he's dead. And in those times, they didn't wait around to bury someone. I mean, of course, we can understand there wouldn't have been a lot of facilities and things. A body would decompose very quickly. So getting someone buried quickly was a thing people did. So they wrapped his body as the tradition was. They would have wrapped him tightly in cloth and they would have put aloes and spices in between those cloths. And then they put him in a tomb. And when you say tomb, David, that's a certain kind of thing in that area, right? Well, often tombs were in caves. Not big caves, but small caves. A family will have a cave, and in the cave would be niches in the wall where they would lay out bodies. So there could be several dead people in in the one cave. And so that may be where this is taking place. And they would be buried there in a niche and after about a year, often they would go back into the cave because by that time the body would be completely decomposed and you're just left with the bones. And they would gather the bones up and put them in a box, a stone box called an ossuary box, a small box, and they would put that back in the cave. And so they would have room for someone else to be laid out uh, later. And they're involved in mourning. This is a very sad thing. I mean, you can think of mourning in a private way, but this was a very public event. In fact, they would even hire people sometimes to be professional mourners, to wail, and it was quite the commotion. So this was a busy place. People had come from far away to be with Mary and Martha to comfort them. And when Jesus arrives, the first person he speaks with is Martha. Martha goes to meet Jesus. Remember, these are friends. And Martha greets Jesus with this. She says, 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I wonder what her tone was. Did she say, if you had been here, he would not be dead? Or was she just just sad and saying it? We'll, we'll never really know, will we? We won't know. Everyone experiences grief in their own way. And we have all kinds of emotions that we're dealing with in grief. Martha says this to Jesus, and Jesus responds and says, look, your brother will rise and live again. And she basically says, I know that, Jesus. That's not what I'm crying about. And she really, even before that, had made that clear because she said, if you'd have only been here, but then she does follow that up with, but I know that even now God will give you anything you ask. So even her expression of her grief or, or whatever, she's still saying, but but Jesus, you're the answer. I, I know that you can do something. I don't think she probably had in mind the something was going to be what it was that day. No, no. When Jesus says, your brother will rise and live again, she says, I know that he will rise and live again, the resurrection on the last day. That was a very common Jewish belief for those Jews who are faithful in the last day. God will raise them up to give them new bodies in the resurrection. But then Jesus says in response to that, and this is, I think, one of the important verses in all of this, verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will have life even if he dies. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? And Martha believed in the resurrection because she believed in the power of God. But Jesus is basically saying, no, Martha, I, your hope of resurrection is in me. Do you believe me that I'm the one who will be the one to raise you from the dead? I think her answer just is everything she could give. She didn't understand everything, but she does answer, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. You are the one who was coming to the world. I mean, that's all that she knew to say. That's all she could say. That's everything. She knows that Jesus is everything, but everything is just about to get bigger. It is. So she has this conversation with Jesus, and she makes this confession. And then she goes back to get her sister. I get this feeling that Mary is at home just kind of a mess, just an emotional mess. Martha is being the practical, taking care of things again. But Mary is just deep in mourning. But now she goes and meets Jesus. And she says the same thing that her sister did when she meets Jesus. If you had been here, Jesus, he would not have died. And that's all she says. She doesn't follow that up with more belief. Maybe she was just so emotional, and he saw that. And she was just beyond comfort in a way. And Jesus caught on to that emotion in a big way. He went there with her. You know, some people talk about comfort and maybe say some words, but empathy is when you really go there and and you feel what that person's feeling along with them and you understand it. And I see Jesus doing that. He felt the sadness in his heart, it says, and he was deeply troubled. And, And that's where we get that verse, Jesus wept or 
Jesus cried, those two words, the shortest verse in the Bible. And Jesus wept with her. And sometimes, you know what? We just need someone to cry with us. Not necessarily have all the answers in that moment, but to cry with us. And and he took that moment to do that with Mary. And his weeping or crying was not discreet because, verse 36, they were looking at Jesus and they could see that he was crying because they said, see how much he loved him. They just assumed he was crying because Lazarus is dead. And that's normal. People cry when loved ones die. And when you say they, that this is the Jews that were around. These were the people that were there to comfort Mary and Martha. Right. And so they kind of are saying, oh, yeah, he, he really loved him. Some said that. And then, as we know, some people handle grief in one way and say something. Some people say totally inappropriate or wrong things, and and that's the other people. They're like, well, wait a minute. He could heal the blind people. Why couldn't he heal his own friend? They were rushing into judgment. They were using that time to judge, not to comfort. If you had been here, Martha said, if you had been here, Mary said, If Jesus could heal the blind man, why couldn't he keep Lazarus? All these questions, doubting, not fully understanding what Jesus is capable of, and now they're going to see why Jesus waited two more days, why it was four days later when Jesus did this. Because he said at the very beginning of the story in verse 4, his sickness will not end in death, but for the glory of God. So verse 38, we come to the latter part of the story, Jesus is very sad in his heart, it says, comes to the tomb, and the tomb is covered up, and he again says something that is very unusual. He just says, move the stone away. Okay, here's the time for Martha, because Martha knows, wait a minute, it's been four days, four days for a body to be decaying in a tomb. She knows, and she knows everybody else knows, that when a body is in a tomb that long, if you were to open that grave now, it would really smell bad. And so she's very practical. She's reminding Jesus, wait a minute, it's been four days, it's going to stink. But her practicality, again, does not prepare her for this moment. No, and Jesus has to remind her and I guess others, he says, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they're about to witness the glory of God. And so they move the stone away. I don't know what they were thinking Jesus was going to do, but they moved the stone away. And there's a lesson, David. We don't have to know what Jesus is going to do, do we, to just obey when he says to do something. We just obey and trust that he knows what he's doing. Jesus looks up and he prays to God and he says, I thank you that you heard me. And he, he says that in past tense. So Jesus is fully confident and he's already been praying about this and fully confident that God is going to do what he's been asking to do. So so much so that he says, I thank you that you did hear me. So he prays and he cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Well, I'm trying to picture that in my mind, Lazarus coming out. And I'm remembering the tradition of wrapping that body in all of those cloths and all of those spices. I'm not sure how this happened. I'm not sure how you might read this and imagine it, but did he hop out? Did he roll out? He couldn't have had much movement with all those cloths on, so float out? I don't know, but 
He came out of that tomb one way or another, and everyone saw him. And now Jesus gets to be the practical one. It's like, okay, take the cloths off, let him move around. And he did. Lazarus is alive. He was dead, and now he has become awake. He's alive. And I find it so interesting that it doesn't say anything about how Mary or Martha reacted to this miracle. All it says is that some believed and some didn't believe. It says the Jews who were present, many of them believed in him because of this. But it says some of them went to the Pharisees and they told the Pharisees what Jesus had done. And this then becomes the beginning of the end for Jesus. Uh, so we, we go into the rest of the gospel, which leads to is the passion of Jesus. And this, in a way, seems to be almost a foreshadowing of that event. You have a death, you have a burial, you have a tomb, and you have a coming back to life. And all of that is, is very familiar to what's going to be happening. What we know is in the future here, not long from now, when uh, Jesus will be raised from the dead. Now, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he'll die again someday. But we know there is a resurrection coming, a true resurrection, when Jesus will come alive and he'll never die again. All of this is such a a picture of what's to come. It's also a picture of how people relate to hearing and seeing these amazing things of God. Some people believe. Some people turn away. Some people start blaming and questioning and asking why. There are so many different reactions. But here today, we've seen the glory of God. Wow. There's so much more in this story. But I want to know, Mary, how you would outline this this long story. It is a long story. And we actually talked about, do we say the outline first? But that might kind of ruin the flow of things. But Here's how I would do it. You don't have to do it this way, but I would say verses, this is John chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, I have Lazarus is sick and they send for Jesus. And then verses 4 through 16, the way Jesus responds to this news, his reaction and response. And then verses 17 through 37, I put both of these conversations together. Mary and Martha talk to Jesus. And then 38 through 44, Lazarus is raised from the dead. And then finishing off with verses 45 through 46, I just have here people react. You have the different reactions from the people. That's how I outlined it. I'm thinking when I'm sharing this with children, I could talk about a lot of things. There's so much in this. But I do touch on and help the children relate to the fact that Jesus cares when we hurt, and children do have their hurts. They have a lot of them. Some, we may think, are not that big, but they are to a child. They lose their pet. Something bad happens to the big. You know, their parents get divorced. Someone dies. All of these things cause children to hurt and grieve. And so I want to recognize that and talk about that with the children so they know that's okay. It's okay to grieve. 
And Jesus understands that. There are verses I could look at. One, I think, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, because this is what do you do if you're grieving? That verse says, give all your worries to him because he cares for you. And this is talking about God, but it's the same with Jesus. I think I'd want them to maybe even write that verse out, memorize it. We could make a poster. That's such a, a good verse. It's short, but it says it all. He does care. And I want to them to remember that when bad things are happening. There's a lot of kind of fun things that we could do in this lesson. You may think that's kind of funny considering it's a funeral, but we can have a cutout of a person and we can wrap them in gauze, put some spices in it, prepare them for burial just to kind of understand what that would be like. There's a song, Cast Your Burdens Unto Jesus. He cares for you. I think that would be a great one. There are a lot of ideas on missionbibleclass.org, so if you need some more why don't you have a visit and look at that? Okay, children's class. I love the glitter, David. Tell me about adult class. Well, one of the important words in this story is the word glory. And it occurs at the very beginning of the story in verse 4. The sickness will not end in death, Jesus says. It is for the glory of God. This has happened to bring glory to the Son of God. And then... At the end of the story, in response to Martha, Jesus said, Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So we have glory at the beginning and the end. It all focuses on Lazarus and the raising of Lazarus. And so how does the raising of Lazarus reveal the glory of God? And you can ask the question, to the class, what do you think that this means? And I think you can have a good discussion about that. Well, David, I can see in an adult class, you too might want to talk about grief and some of the ways that we can comfort those and have empathy for people that are in grief. Seems like that would be a good thing for an adult class to talk about too. There's just so much in this. But if you're like us, in a way, this is almost overwhelming, the amount of information, but the point is the glory of God. Jesus showed the glory of God in the raising of Lazarus, and I, I just pray that that's what you share with your students, that they, through you, can experience and understand the glory of God. And may God bless you as you speak into the lives of adults and children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children.